Welcome to The Big Unlock, where we discuss data, analytics, and emerging technologies in healthcare. Here's some of the most innovative thinkers in healthcare information technology talk about the digital transformation of healthcare and how they are driving change in their organizations. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to my podcast. It is my honor and privilege to have as my guest today, David Chu, Chief Information and Digital Officer for Children's Mercy in Kansas City. David, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Patty. I'm looking forward to this discussion as always. Thank you so much, David. Before we get started on the discussion, do you want to maybe take a minute or two for the benefit of our listeners to tell us a little bit about Children's Mercy? Sure. So Children's Mercy is a pediatric specialty hospital located in the state of Missouri and Kansas. We have two hospitals and 45 plus locations spanning across the two states. Um, We're one of these unique standalone children's hospitals, but we do have some affiliations with uh, the local adult systems in the neighborhood. Um, But I would say we are the only one in the around a 100-mile radius that provides the high-acuity care for kids in the region. Thank you. Thank you for that introduction. So let's let's jump into the discussion. Digital is, you know, and has been the buzzword for a couple of years now. Uh, what does digital mean to you? How do you define it in your world? Yeah, that's a really good question because I every time I hear or attend a lot of events that's focused on digital, it feels like people have different definitions or they really don't know what the definition is and then associate just technology with it. So the way I like to define digital is the use of technology in creating or enhancing new business models, because that's what it comes down to. You have to figure out how to maximize your investments in the technology portfolio. Um, but we'd love to hear, you know, what are the different definitions that you have heard and how and what is it that you commonly use in terms of your definition of digital as well, Patty? Yeah, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people as well, and you're you're absolutely right. The term digital means a lot of different things to different people, and depending on whether you're talking to a health system uh, or whether you're talking to a technology provider. Now, obviously, you know, technology providers uh, tend to have a definition that is typically more aligned towards whatever products or offerings they uh, are, are putting out in the marketplace. And their definitions also tend to be more technology focused to your point earlier. Within health systems, uh, there is a, a quite a range of definitions as well. And uh, it, you know, the one that resonates the most with me is the one that you just said, which is, Digital is not about technology. It's really about the business. And it's really about, uh, you know, creating some of the things that I hear are it's about creating new experiences. It's about reimagining existing experiences with the use of digital tools and technologies. And you hear other terms that are typically thrown in in that context. I hear the term innovation, for instance, that is thrown in when people talk about the definition of digital. So there is a to your to a short answer to your question. I don't hear a single consistent definition of digital, uh, uh, but there are some common themes that uh, 
that I hear, you know, the most common one, especially when I talk to health systems, is, is that it's not about technology. It's more about business. But technology is an important enabler. Does that uh, resonate with you? Yeah, definitely does. I think we're on the same page there. Right, right. So, you know, uh, healthcare and digital transformation, if I look at healthcare and if I look at what's happening in other sectors of the economy, healthcare is definitely uh, not a leader, uh, it's a follower. So I'm curious to, to hear what you think about the current state of digital transformation uh, and what you see as, uh, you know, where healthcare is, uh, specifically health systems, which is kind of the world that, that you live in and which is where I live in most of the time. So I, 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 I hate when I hear that people saying healthcare is truly laggards. Um, I do believe we are, we are behind retail, but if you think back just even the last 10 years where we have evolved from, from just being electronic, right? We went from an industry that was dominated by paper, and now we're at a point to where almost everything is electronic. Now, that's a big leap in the last eight to 10 years. So to say healthcare is laggard, I would say if you look back at the entire ecosystem we've made some good progress but comparing to some of the other sectors uh, where the experience is it's completely different in the retail model that is where the catch-up needs to happen so most healthcare organizations are still struggling Um, they're struggling because people think you could just throw technology and it'll magically appear where you have this experience Um, but I would say you really have to look back and really transform even your process so that it could become that digital experience. And without going through that exercise, it is very tough. I don't believe a lot of folks in healthcare are thinking that. They, there's a lot of talk about consumer zones, things of that nature, but no one has shifted their entire business model to consumerism. Um, so I would, to, to that extent, people are, working in pockets, there's some silos of um, this transformation, but the overall state of it to where someone is, is uplifting and, and recreating their entire operating model to be aligned with the future, it's, I don't see that happening yet. Right, I think you make a really, really good point uh, about the fact that healthcare, which was predominantly paper-based uh, about a decade or so ago, uh, is now completely transformed. It's been digitized, uh, and and it's been one of the biggest transformations that any industry has gone through. So that I think is a fair point. And uh, I guess uh, the you know once once you've gotten the whole uh, digitization process, namely the implementation of the electronic health record systems, once you've put that behind you, I guess the next question is what do we do next? How do we use all of the data and all of the infrastructure that we've invested in? And how do we transform the experience for patients or caregivers, uh, as the case may be? Would you say that that's a more fair representation of where things are? Yeah, I would definitely say that's a pretty good um, description of it. Um, because the the healthcare future, someone is really has to radically shape shape uh, and shift, in, in order to be relevant. So. I think people are working at that, but uh, as you know, with change, there's no, there's not, it's not like there's a solid playbook someone can just follow. 
So organizations really have to utilize their experiences, utilize their gut intuition, utilizing what they feel the market's moving towards and really make a gutsy call. And the ones that can do that are the ones that are really going to reshape the industry and stay relevant and become market leaders. Right. What are, what are some of the uh, what are some of the examples that you see out there that represent this uh, this shift? Well, you know, let's talk a little bit about. And you've done. I know you've done some fairly advanced work in your own organization. You want to, you know, do you want to share a little bit of what what kind of success you've seen? What are some of the areas you've focused on? A lot of it, you know, I focus. There's two things I focus on for all of the technology projects. It focuses on experiences and speed. So we must do things with speed. So utilizing cloud technology is one way to be more agile and really get things up in terms of speed. And then experience, think about experience, not just externally with the patients, but also creating the best experience for your internal stakeholders. So given those two themes, every project revolves around that. So um, Steve, example, Example, you know, I walked into an organization that didn't have the greatest help desk experience from an IT perspective. So now we put in self-service tools where people can um, create tickets for the help desk on the, on the mobile device. It's a mobile first platform. Um, they have the ability to, to send a chat in. And then we also incorporate some social tools. We have an internal social um, tool called Yammer from Microsoft, which is similar to Facebook for work where we, we create discussions and you know, I'll throw ideas out there, I'll, I'll gain responses to listening, but it has also become a form to where people submit questions as far as their troubleshooting. Now, the next challenge is I want to incorporate and integrate that to our help desk software as well as another pipeline. So overall, those create a good positive experience. I didn't have to do anything drastic. I didn't have to go buy something that's not available in the market and just be that market leader. Um, pretty much, so that, that, that's just one internal sort of transformation that we have done um, in the first phase from an experience perspective. Another, another one is a very simple one if you think about it, you know, you know uh, for people go, who are going to your urgent care clinics with their kids, obviously, if they're going to th that um, type of settings, it is nothing uh, of an emergency. But one, one thing that is painful is when you get to the clinic and you have to wait. So just instilling something as simple as, can I save my spot in line through an online check-in? You know, that creates a better experience to where the parents and the family members can know exactly approximately when they're gonna see, be seeing a doctor by saving their spot. And then they could probably um, personally take care of a few errands before they go to the doctors. So these are simple things that uh, health systems can really put together to create a positive experience and, and eventually evolve and transform how sort of their, their, their transformation occurs with the community and their patients. So I would say those are just two simple ones that we didn't have to do anything drastic, um, but overall improved the experience and it's really transformed how we operate. And we've also learned a lot because when you start putting in these new features, you have to operationalize a little bit differently than what you have been doing historically. So um, we're still adapting and learning about how to be more efficient and how to adapt operationally to some of these new enhanced features that we have implemented. 
I think those are, you know, really great examples. And based on some of the work that I do, uh, you know, one one theme that emerges is that you know, people are cautious about not getting caught up too much in, let's say, the sexiness of a technology or or something new that is out there that you know looks and feels really good. But what is the impact it is making on your patient experience or your caregiver's experience? And I increasingly see the caregiver experience being an important aspect of any kind of a digital program and in general in the transformation of the organization. But your two examples are really, really, uh, they really underscore the fact that ultimately it's about making an impact to one of your important stakeholders. In this case, it's making a difference to your patient. If the patient doesn't lose her spot in line by using an app that ensures that, you know, if she's running an errand and uh, or she has to step out and, you know, take care of her baby or whatever, uh, that's a really value-added kind of a feature. That's that's a fantastic example. So the logical question on that, uh, David, would be, how do, you, how do you measure returns on something like that? With healthcare is, of course, like with many other sectors, very, very cautious about, discretionary dollars, right? So how do you look at something like this and how do you demonstrate the returns or benefits uh, for, for something like this? So the way I think about this, uh, first, we didn't measure return. We just measured the improvement in access and possibly the patient satisfaction scores have increased and just the community uh, has, has been providing positive feedback. So there's some soft ROI, but the way I view digital transformation is similar to lean, right? You know how every organization strives to be that lean organization and then they go through this whole lean Six Sigma exercise where they're on this journey for 10, 15 years and they may still be on a journey. I view this digital transformation in that same format to where you're looking at ways to be more efficient, you're looking at ways to re reinvent your process and now you're incorporating technology. So when you think about lean, some of these soft ROIs, how do you measure it? Well, that I would measure the same way that you you would have these soft ROIs for lean. If your organization wants to get down to some sort of monetary value in terms of return on investments, um, that's how I have approached it. But at the end of the day, you're not going to get that, um, sort of a big number in your bottom line. You may as a result of these various initiatives, but as you're aware, there's also other things tied into it that leads to a healthier bottom line. So um, it's something I don't have the direct formula, but I, I would say if you're a lean organization, try to tie that in and utilize the same calculation that you currently have. Right, right. So. Uh, we, we've talked about patient experience as one of the big focus areas of uh, digital transformation. But what about the caregivers? What are some of the high value caregiver use cases or caregiver focus areas that you've come across or, or have tried to implement in your own organization? Well, when you just think about um, something as simple as nurse call or secure paging, right? right? You think about the fact that a clinician may have a, a wide variety of tools, um, kind of like a like a like a handyman where they have the entire toolkit built. So what I strive to do is create uh, one platform that can achieve all those features. So we're working on um, a a tool a platform that's going to allow the clinical staff, specifically the nurses, to have a centralized uh, app just for their 
nurse call, another one for secure messaging, another one to be utilized for their clinical documentation and lookup. So, you know, it's really moving towards the mobile first environment and creating a stable platform that's going to be encompassing all that. So um, that's one that just comes to my mind when we talk about uh, ways to improve the clinical workflow and clinical experiences. I don't want to have a clinician utilize multiple systems. I, I don't want them carrying multiple devices. I just want them to have the same personal experience that I have in my world, which is I use my mobile for everything. So allowing them to be efficient on their mobile from a clinical workflow perspective, whether it's looking at patients or communicating with their peers, um, creating that one ecosystem. So that's just one example of that we have done. Um, but there's plenty of, there's always new things that we're enhancing and optimizing from a clinical workflow perspective, utilizing latest tools, uh, utilizing tools that can predict outcomes. I mean, those are, when I think about digital, it really encompasses four core technology and the four core technologies are cloud, um, data, mobile, and social. So when you start incorporating those four technologies, that's what really transforms into a digital um, product as an output. So, you know, tons of use case, I'm sure every organization has something in the play right now. Um, and it's really a matter of whether are you defining it as a digital transformation or or are you just calling it organizational transformation? Right. Well, that's an important distinction too. And, you know, let me go back to technology for a second, right? Uh, health systems are kind of unique. And I say that because the uh, systems of record across the United States, at least, they're dominated by a handful of electronic health record platforms. Right? And, uh, you know, you you have your standard just like everybody else has their standard. And it's a handful of these platforms that kind of dominate the environment. And lots of money have been, lots of money has been spent on implementing these. And so one thing that I hear from uh, health systems that I talk to is that, you know, utilizing the existing investments and getting them to function optimally and making use of all the existing features and functionalities available is a priority area, especially as it relates to you know, financial investments. So in that context, when you talk about improving patient experience or improving caregiver experience and so on, so well, there's a lot of uh, potentially better tools for individual functions or individual use cases, uh, even though a functionality or a feature may be available within your existing electronic health system. How do you do the trade-offs? When you find something out there, you know, a tool that is vastly superior than what your EHR system provides for the same functionality, uh, you know, what, what's the tipping point? Uh, and there's a broader implication for my question because there's billions being spent on these digital health startups. How are they going to find a spot in an environment that's dominated by an electronic health system like a Cerner or an Epic? Yeah, I think you're. I think you hit that nail right on the head in terms of that observation because when we, when most organizations have made that investment to their EMR, um, that is already the preferred platform. When you spend hundreds, if not billions, of dollars on this platform, you've already committed to it, and that means you've committed to knowing that it may not be the best in certain areas in terms of specific functionality, but as an entire ecosystems, you want to have that closely integrated to, to have that interoperability. So now when you have these one-offs, it is tough to break in 
So for example, I have a portfolio of 600 plus different applications. My goal is to reduce that. I'm trying to reduce, reduce that as much as I can by establishing some major partnerships where I go to preferred model. So whether that's EMR preferred, whether that is a ERP preferred model, I, I made a strategic investment and I, sold, and I told the board that here's our direction to try to shrink the portfolio, number one. Number two is we will create the integration because we're reducing the number of different uh, integration points and therefore reducing the complexity. So now you throw in these one-off digital health startups. Well, they're great as a point solution, but some can't even be integrated well. And then you hear the discussion back and forth of, oh, well, your, your enterprise EMR system is closed, therefore we can't integrate it. It's their fault, it's not our fault. We have an open API platform that can integrate with anyone. Well, when it comes to that discussion, you know, on the buyer side, uh, they probably do not have the time to go back and forth to get this integration to work. We, we just want something to work out of the box and right. check it off and then move towards the next set of problems. Uh, when you think about the, the CIOs and the trend and where they're moving towards, we don't really want to manage technology, especially the core infrastructure. And especially having to worry about integration, we just want this to work seamlessly so that now we could focus on more strategic elements. We could focus on how do we take the investment that we have made and turn that into a positive ROI and hopefully resulting in a net positive revenue. Um, but when we, we when we have to get in the middle of working, the interoperability, making sure it's integrated, that just becomes cumbersome. And I would say most of the buyers, the CIOs probably do not want to play in that space anymore. But there are still some that likes the blocking tackling, but the progressive ones, the ones that really are going to be leading the future enterprises are more business driven versus technology driven. Right, and there's all kinds of trade-offs and, and costs involved in what you just said, right? So you, I mean, it's not just the standalone, you know, tool or, or platform, but it's also the integration infrastructure. So you're talking not just about investing in a, in a new you know, startup solution, but you're also talking about putting in an, maybe an API platform in place as an example. And all of those you know, problems are eliminated when you've got the entire thing kind of wrapped up in one complete, uh, fully you know, integrated, internally integrated system. The only big trade-off there is that, uh, number one, you may not have what you're looking for today. And if even if you do have it, it may not be the best tool that is out there. So is that a big trade-off that you're making when it comes to digital transformation, in, in both in terms of quality of experience and in terms of the ability to turn on something today uh, when you know you may be compelled to wait for another six or 12 months for the next release? Is that is that a big trade-off? You, do you see that as a big trade-off? I don't see that as, a, as that big of a trade-off. I hear that comment a lot. Um, I see the biggest challenge and barriers to really transforming is more on the sort of the cultural and leadership side it has nothing to do with these tool sets that's available because let's just say you have these one-off platform that's great that works well and you have the enterprise platform that's not up to par well if you don't if you don't transform the entire culture to embrace that enterprise platform it doesn't matter you, whether you get the shiniest object and whether the right tool sets, you may never have the culture to embrace them to begin with. So, you know, one one of the biggest challenges for success is most organizations do not have the right culture to change because the transformation is all about change. It's not about 
anything different except changing behaviors. And now we're changing behaviors with the adoption of technology to do that. That's that's very well said. So uh, what would you, what are the three or four words or terms you would use to describe an organization that is culturally, you know, well positioned for the kind of transformation that, that you're referring to? Uh, it must be driven top down. I mean, that's number one. You know, in order for this to be su- successful, it's got to be the initiative all the way from the board members down to the CEO, all the way transforming down to the organization. This, this initiative cannot just be made by a, a CFO, COO, CIO without the support from the entire organization going up all the way to the board. Because without that, it will fail. Um, what was interesting, I was just at a recent innovation summit. And what was interesting at this innovation summit was the chief innovation officer is a role that you're starting to see pop up a lot more. And it's, it's always debatable as far as who leads innovation. How come the CIO does not lead innovation? Why would you have to go out to create a separate role? And a lot of these chief innovation officers are a, a clinician. So now you have a clinician that is out there in the market just listening to the latest and greatest, but they may they may be missing the role of how do you operationalize this tool within the organization or how do you even fit it into the technology ecosystem? Um, you know, when I see that, it sort of feels like they're just throwing a new role out there for someone to try to see if they could stick this landing. Um, but overall, I would say the for this to be successful, it has to be top down versus going out in silos, creating a separate function for transformation, um, creating a separate role or even a separate department. If, if it's not being led by the leader, then it doesn't matter what kind of roles you create. Right. Well, that's a great point. And, and I hear that a lot. It's got to be top down. Uh, I hear that a lot. It's also interesting you make the distinction between the role of a chief innovation officer. Uh, I, I imagine that you know they have to work very closely with the uh, chief information officer, chief digital officer. It's it's all cross-functional anyway. At the end of the day, it's not one single domain, right? Oh, definitely, it's not. Uh, here's where people who have those chief innovation officer, chief digital officer titles come in with a disadvantage, unless they have a CEO support where they report to the CEO and the CIO doesn't. The workhorse behind this effort is probably in the office of the CIO. If you think about it, the technologists, even the budget authority, right? The, the one of the, the partners with the largest budgets is probably the CIO. So even if you create these one-offs, when it comes down to getting the functional work done, you still have to rely on the technology team and the CIO's team to figure it out. So if that's the case, then why create this offshoot? Uh, but the, the the other side of that is there's probably a lot of CIOs that are just purely focused on keeping lights on and the back office function. They're okay with it. Therefore, the CEO and the senior leaders are not getting what they need. So therefore, they go out and create this other role just to be able to get a different strategic view of the landscape. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough challenge. And I hear these constant struggles back and forth all the time between the various roles. Yeah, but one you know one other important topic that comes up all the time in the context of digital transformation is technical debt. Right? 
Uh, you know, healthcare again uh, maybe argued that healthcare is underinvested traditionally in in technology, and of course, you know, they've made these huge investments in the electronic health record systems. But uh, uh, is that is that a big factor in your view? Is that something that can derail or delay or adversely impact uh, digital transformation? It's not, uh, in my opinion, and I hear that from all the time. I even hear that from my team. <laughs> Some of my direct reports used to use that as an excuse as far as why they can't move faster, uh, which I tell them that's not the right way to approach it, even think about it, and that's not how I think about it. So my analogy would be to think about a developed country and a and a country that's sort of in a startup mode, right? It's easy for the startup country, countries and ones in startups to really leapfrog the developing country just because they don't have to deal with the legacy infrastructure and so forth. So think about your your organization where if you want to say you have legacy debt, then fine, start over or leapfrog the legacy and jump to the, something new and jump to the latest. Um, but if you're always trying to build on top of this legacy, then yeah, you you, you will be uh, having you and you'll be using this excuse forever and ever because you will never leapfrog. So <laughs> it's up to you as an or it's up to you to figure out how to leapfrog. I mean, when my team tells me, oh, we have this legacy debt, I just tell them, no, you don't start leapfrogging and make a decision versus following the traditional playbooks. So that's just my, 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 my response to the legacy debt. I think that that is that is uh, that is uh, such an interesting response. And I tell you, I grew up in India, and we had a terrible landline uh, infrastructure for our telecommunications uh, systems. And then uh, you know the, the mobile phone showed up, and boy, the entire country leapfrogged over landline. I don't think anybody has landlines anymore, and it's it's been such an equalizer, and has lifted so many people out of uh, you know subsistence levels and. They're able to run businesses and manage their finances and you know transact business in in the most interior uh, parts of the country. Uh, talk about an example of leapfrogging, right? And so I think that's that's fantastic. Your example is fantastic. So uh, David, we're coming up to the end of our time here. Any last one or two thoughts you want to share with you know either uh, health systems that are uh, you know kind of in early stages of digital transformation or for technology providers who are trying to kind of you know have a go at, at the opportunity here what you know one, one thought for each of them maybe yeah one thought for the health system is you know we, we talk about what it takes to be successful where it takes the top-down leadership and in order to be to have this digital transformation you got to have this digital in your dna so for the ceos or the board members out there if you're if you're wanting to go, to go through this whole entire transformation, well, make sure you're a digital, make sure you have your C, CIO and your technology lead, lead at the table so that they can help you drive it. Because if you don't have them at the table as sort of your trusted advisor, then it is just pure talk. You're just playing the buzzword card of we're going to go through digital transformation, but really not focusing on it. So um, you, got, you, you must be thinking, you, you must think digital first in order to go through this. Otherwise, don't go through it, don't bother. Mm -hmm. um, what was your second question? What was your second oh, question? What's your thought for the technology providers? Technology providers is, you know, you're, you, most of them have great solutions. Uh, and I mean, nowadays it's so hard to differentiate between 
the different manufacturers that's producing the same technology. The differentiator is for the manufacturers to be able to deliver an actual end-to-end solution and help the or and help the buyer, which is could be the CIO or another C-suite member, help the buyer sell the use case. So go to that extreme to make sure you give end-to-end solution and put together the marketing pitch so that they could sell it internally. And that that's how you can be successful in this transformation. It's not just about delivering a project or delivering the latest technology. All right. Fantastic. Oh, this has been uh, such a fascinating conversation, David. And uh, uh, I really appreciate your time and look forward to staying in touch with you and following uh, following your progress uh, with, with all of your digital uh, programs and uh, look forward to staying in touch. Thank you once again. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Subscribe to our podcast series at www.thebigunlock.com and write to us at info at thebigunlock.com.